This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Uh, this is a test run for me today. This is the first time I'm recording the show not in the studio. And my guest with me on this test run is my friend Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Lee, welcome back to the show, man. It's a pleasure to be here, and especially on this uh, test run. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you're not across the, uh, the table from me because you and I have such a rapport that comes across on my show, on your podcast, when I come to your offices. I love it. It's extraordinary. Two guys geeking out over social stuff. There you go. <laughs> so um, uh, we're going to get into several things, but first of all, you have a webinar coming up shortly on uh, on marketing uh, during, uh, what's the title? Uh, it's marketing during uncertain times. And it's really about the, the whole issue about what do you do as the world's changed? You know, uh, the whole marketing landscape is changing. How do you keep up with that? And how does that fundamentally change the way you think about and go about marketing? Yeah, and um, you can sign up for the uh, the webinar on Lee's uh, website, hingemarketing.com, H-I-N-G-E marketing.com. But, uh, and and um, it'll be posted up there for play after. So That's right. We... we what we have here, literally, Lee, is an unprecedented situation. I've been doing this for 35 years, and I've seen some interruptions to the market. In, uh, in 95, the Oklahoma City bombing, in 2000, uh, you know, 9-11, um, that, you know, obviously a terrible tragedy. But I've not seen anything uh, like this coronavirus and its impact on not just our market, my market, but every market out there. And we, we are now all not just home base, but homebound. Exactly. It's uh, such a change, isn't it? I mean, uh, as you said, I, I've seen nothing like this either. And it's like, uh, in some ways, like they've uh, put a gigantic pause button where everything stops and then for other people, it's been like a, a gigantic fast forward button. So, you know, you never really know exactly where you are and what news you're going to get tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I've seen several um, statistics um, lately, you know, that, you know, uh, the, the number of minutes uh, spent by readers on news sites is up 46 percent. Uh, Twitter's seen an increase in 200 percent. Facebook says they're so busy, they're just trying to keep the lights on. Um, and, uh, um, you know, LinkedIn, I haven't seen any specific um, stats on LinkedIn usage, but I, I, every time I'm browsing now, I see the little green ball or the green ball with a light dot in the middle, which means they're online. The, the green ball is 
they're on their desktop or their laptop, the, the green ball with the white dot means they're on a mobile device. But I, I you know, I'd say 75, 80% of the people that I'm browsing are, are on LinkedIn. It is. It's a, it's amazing. I don't think we've ever had this kind of a change and I'm not sure that people fully realize yet uh, what the long-term impact of this is going to be. I mean, you have a whole generation of people who were thinking, well, I don't know about this work from home thing. And then all of a sudden everybody's doing it. So that's going to change things. And and then there's the uh, the whole younger group going, you know, why can't I work from anywhere? Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> what, what took you so long? <laughs> well, that and you know, beware what you ask for, right? Exactly. So exactly. Let, let's let's try to give some sane advice for perhaps things to do in in this environment. Um, we're both huge proponents of of developing. Uh, uh, differentiated positions in the market, developing the the subject matter expert, visible expert uh, status. Um, How how can these things be leveraged right now? Well, I think if there's ever a time when your brand, your reputation and your visibility are important, I think now is that time. Trust and uh, is at a premium and people are looking for folks who can help them solve very specific problems or very specific issues they have. And of course, since uh, everybody's at home, what they're going to do is what everybody's doing is they're going to search online. They're going to go on social media, on LinkedIn, uh, and they're going to use the digital technologies to make some marketing decisions. And that's uh, there's been a long-term trend in that direction but boy, talk about a kick in the pants, you know, that's just going to shorten this learning curve of what is involved in going digital. I do a, a fair amount of training on LinkedIn and social selling. Uh, you do a lot of, of consulting on that visible expert status. Uh, I, I see the two as, as very uh, simpatico. Uh, they, they, they mesh quite well, but from, let's just go for smaller companies for a moment. Mm -hmm. How how can they leverage, uh, the SME status? How should they be differentiating and, uh, deploying social tools like LinkedIn? Well, I think this is a golden opportunity to, uh, get into educating your clients or prospects in the case, if they aren't already clients, about uh, what are the areas of expertise that you bring to bear. Now, uh, some, of the, some areas of expertise have all of a sudden, they've become dramatically more important. And obviously in like healthcare consulting and planning and infrastructure, uh, and uh, all of the web-related things, social media, all of those things have gotten a gigantic boost. And by the same token, some things that people have relied on in the past, uh, face-to-face networking, uh, attending conferences and so forth, have absolutely shut down. So uh, I think this is a perfect opportunity to be clear about what it is that you really do well that's relevant here 
And now is the time to take to the digital airwaves as it was to let the world know that you can offer that. And yeah. that's, yeah, that, that's a matter of, uh, you know, in lack of anything else, educate people educate right. them about how you can help them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've been doing a, uh, a probably a little more rapid series of posts on leveraging LinkedIn during the coronavirus uh, shutdown. Uh, that's pretty much where we're at is a shutdown. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and uh, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons is I have an extraordinary passion for LinkedIn anyway. And I think right now is, is an opportune time for companies, uh, if they aren't good at it, to learn, if they are good at it, to deploy. But I see so many heavy-handed tactics being yeah. used that it, it's, um, in, in one way I find it amusing, another way I find it distressing. Yeah, it does. It really, uh, it really makes those that are just um, kind of, uh, I, I want to say, in it for themselves who are just selling, selling, selling without any kind of educating or providing real value to their prospective clients and how out of step that seems with the time we're in. It, it just seems completely wrong, uh, not, not fitting with the tone at all. But by the same token, I've seen uh, quite a number of firms who have taken this opportunity to really share something that's been useful or helpful. They found something in their archives that, uh, you know, that is applicable here and they're sharing it. And that, that is, uh, they uh, come across so much better than the folks who are just trying to do what they've been doing, only you're trying harder. Amen, brother. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, Mr. Fredrickson and I shall return right after this. In the meantime, if during the commercial you want, you can look up Lee at, on LinkedIn. Fredrickson is F R E D. E-R-I-K-S-E-N, uh, and the company is Hinge Marketing. The website is hingemarketing.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with my friend Lee Fredrickson. Uh, Lee, Lee and I uh, uh, met initially by kind of rumor and innuendo. We heard of each other. We were writing about the same stuff. Um, and and we finally got together. I don't know if it was on my show or if I went to your office or or what, but the relationship was immediate. Um, and I, I love having him on here because I, I I love picking his brain about this stuff. You know, some of the sharing stuff, Lee. I ran across this. Somebody reached out to me to connect mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Little company out of Texas, a uh, little furniture company that does ergonomic stuff. Um, I I don't connect with people immediately. I look at the website. I look at their profile. Uh, I, I look at their, uh, their company page on LinkedIn. And there was this video uh, about uh, ergonomic posturing while working from home. And this, mm -hmm. this young woman, their, their lead salesperson has this wonderful video. Um, and, and you can find it. It's, it's, I, I posted a link including that. Uh, on my profile on LinkedIn, but it, it talks about the ergonomics, not simply of your sitting, but how you position your computer and everything you need to do to stay uh, um, 
uh, posture perfect, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I bundled that with another post that I found from this young lady who had five tips and I put in some of my own on, and these were just tips on working from home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, a little experience there. Yeah. You know, 36 years, I have a a few ideas have having been home based for, uh, you know, Lord knows decades. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I get weirded out having to work in somebody's office. Uh, How can you work like this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, there's people around here. What are you, what are you doing? Where's my cat? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one kind of information to share. Um, what are some other types that you would recommend at this point? Are, are, you, are you a proponent of getting your CEO to send out a corona message? <laughs> well, there certainly are a lot of them. And if it's uh, a congratulatory message about uh, how we're still helping, it's going to probably fall in the pile with all of the others. Uh, I, I think the thing you were talking about, Mark, really makes sense, which is what's going to be helpful to your audience? Don't think about what's going to be helpful to you. Uh, think about what's going to be helpful to your audience. And I, I think that's kind of the guiding light here. Uh, you know, there, there are some firms that are really are doing pretty well with this, uh, that they've worked well with this transition. Uh, you know, as luck would have it, we were doing our annual study on employer brand, you know, how people, uh, what firms are like as a place to work. And the timing was such that we were able to put in a question about how did your firm How's your firm handling this? And what we found was very interesting that about half of the firms, 47% seem to really be doing a good job. I mean, their, their employees are really there and about uh, 14% are really doing an awful job and it's just showing up. And then the other 40% are just kind of on there. They got a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. And it is really interesting what makes it good and what makes it bad from the employee's point of view? I, I'd have to imagine, uh, you know, but, you know, think of you, if you were able to redo that survey, you know, what was that last month or the month before, if you were able to redo that survey starting right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. And exactly. the perceptions, wow. Well, we, exactly. We just got, you know, and I, I think one of the things that really shows is that the firms that have already started to handle the working remotely, that have already addressed that, seem to do much better. And the ones that are doing a poor job, they're the ones that haven't addressed it in the past. Uh, They've been doing it traditional ways, and they haven't really done much uh, to communicate with employees. They haven't been proactive. And a, a very interesting thing is Uh, One of the things employees are complaining about is if the firm has not figured out how to adapt and find new markets or new ways of finding business in this sort of thing. And that's, you don't think of employees being concerned about that, but uh, oddly enough, that's one of the things that they are very concerned about. Yeah. And, and why wouldn't you be, I mean, you know, basically you're, you're implying that some firms have, 
at least a partial contingency plan in place, if not a full contingency plan, while others are going, you know, that stuff doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. We don't need one. Or we don't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong that would force us to not be able to go into the office? Well, yeah. Uh, you got you know, your answer. <laughs> I don't know if they teach it as part of your MBA or not, you know, contingency plans for what, uh, you know, who, who could have envisioned this particular scenario working from home? Yes, you should have a contingency plan for that. Mm-hmm. And, and one that's for an extended period of time right now, we don't know the extended period of time length. That's right. That's right. And that's, you know, I, I think in some ways it's uh this is a perfect example of the world that we're evolving into in terms of marketing where, where changes because of the interconnectedness of society and transportation and communication, things uh, that happen in one part of the globe can impact other parts so quickly and so thoroughly that you need to be set up to be able to adjust and lean into the change rather than trying to resist it. Uh, you know, struggling with change is, is a, an exercise in futility. Yeah. Uh, delve into that a little bit because your, you, your, your upcoming webinar is predicated on a study uh, that are in part anyway, that you, you did um, last fall uh, mm-hmm. very recently, but give me, give me some of the high points of that, please. Well, I, I think one of the things that uh, we found out when, when you look at what are firms concerned about, you know, what are the things that they really focus on? And what we found out is that the slower growing firms, those that are not growing, they're struggling with things like, well, how do I deal with remote workforce? Uh, how do I deal with changing client demands? Those kinds of things. In other words, they're kind of saying, will you just please hold still world here? You know, don't change (laughs) on me. Uh, Whereas the firms that are growing, they're really a a profile that's much more leaning into it. They're thinking like, what can I do next? Where do I get, how do I leverage my time more using social media? How do I, uh, how do I find out what's a real insight about what my clients are concerned about? You know, how can I get ahead of the curve rather than just responding to the curve? Okay. Now, the, again, the survey is going to be up on your website shortly, right? That's right. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, hingemarketing.com. Uh, yes. this, this should be excellent reading, uh, particularly yeah. at a time like this. I, I think so. You know, the, the, uh, it, it's amazing how relevant this can become when you think about change and disruption and how that's a, a theme that goes through so much of marketing over the last, you know, few years uh, with all of the disruptions of industries, uh, you know, whether it's a retail industry or so forth. Well, that level of change is coming to professional services. It's, uh, you know, if it isn't already there, it's going to be arriving very shortly. And uh, this coronavirus is probably a time of people will look back on and say, my word, how the world changed. 
Yeah, and you know, one of the questions I'm I'm on a call. I try to get on every day. Uh, Government Marketing University has a uh, uh, a group marketing call on Zoom, so you can actually see people if they're uh, opening up their their video side. Mm-hmm. And we have a there's a presentation, and then there's some chat around the presentation. So the call can last anywhere from you know thirty minutes to sixty minutes, no longer than sixty. But it's 9 a.m. every day. But it's really good to see people's faces there mm-hmm. and, and get, you know, uh, as close as possible to that face-to-face interaction because you are kind of face-to-face there. Yes, it, it is. Uh, that's a great point. You know, one of the things that we have noted in uh, since we have gone to everybody remote all the time, I mean, we've had remote work and regular remote for like six years now, not quite your 30 some years, but a good while. And what we've noted is when these video calls, um, they go much faster. The meetings are shorter and get to the point quicker, which uh, is sort of an unanticipated consequence. I don't know if if other folks have noticed that too, but it seems like it it helps focus the attention. Well, you know, you're you're eliminating the the networking portion, mm. so you can't go off on a side conversation, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So that's going to expedite things. There's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of chit chat at the beginning of these mm-hmm. things, but when it's over, it's over. You're out of the room. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's an unanticipated benefit, if you will. Um, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. And I'm here today with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing, hingemarketing.com. We've referenced a number of his uh, studies, so you can go there and find them. And we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Um, Lee, I want to I want to find out from you how are you leveraging all of the social platforms, the Web 2.0 tools, you know, video conferencing, LinkedIn, whatever. How are you leveraging that uh, uh, as Hinge to stay in touch with your current clients and and those prospects that you've been working? Great question. Uh, and we've noticed it, it, it's very interesting, Mark. We, we just finished a 90-day trial. We tried out some different strategies uh, for use on LinkedIn. And we've, uh, what that has shown us is that uh, there's a direct relationship between uh, the quality of the techniques and the amount of time you spent and the results you get which again should come as no surprise, but you know, you hear so much about uh, getting involved in it, but you see many people who aren't really using LinkedIn and other social media to its full benefit. So what, what we have found is that it really has worked well for us to, uh, dare I say, linking uh, some non-traditional techniques with social media. In other words, using LinkedIn to follow up on webinars, uh, to reach out to individual participants, uh, interact around questions they've asked, see if they have more information. So uh, I I think that's one thing that uh, has been a stumbling block for a lot of people. 
they're not quite sure how to do it and how to start a conversation and they're, they're looking for the way to go about doing that. And we found that using it in conjunction with some educational material really helps you turn this networking from a, uh, you know, just a little sideline into a genuine engine for business development. Yeah. Um, agree completely to the point where I developed a, it was an offshoot of things that I was already doing, but I, I've written a, uh, it's a 60 to 75 minute presentation on social selling in the current client. Mm -hmm. And it revolves around LinkedIn and it introduces people to all of those soft touch methods of getting on the radar, staying on the radar, initiating conversations, getting people more interested in your content, getting your content in front of people at the right time in the right place. Um, you know, as yeah. much as I could cram into an hour and 10 minutes. Well, you know, I, I know you're, you're always very good about giving people access to resources, but frankly, I think that's one that your listeners should track down because it's those sort of things I think that trip people up sometimes. They don't quite know what to do, so instead they end up, oh, well, it, it can't be that useful, or uh, this is too hard, so let me just go back to the old ways. Well, you know, and, and this, this brings up a good point, and your 90-day trials kind of uh, lead in this direction. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you employ the tactics, the social selling tactics that work on LinkedIn, I mean, frankly, you and I were doing social selling before it had a name. Mm -hmm. Because we've been active on this platform for a while. But if you if you use these tactics on a regular basis, you don't think about it. It's muscle memory. It's just like mm -hmm. an athlete going out there, catching a ball, throwing a pass, taking a shot, whatever it might be. Um, there, there's a certain muscle memory, uh, brain muscle memory, that that is part of social selling. So when I go on LinkedIn in the morning, there's several things that I do. I go to my notifications, see who's changed jobs, see who has a birthday. I look at their profiles, see who I know at their companies. Then I say, happy birthday or scratch on the new job. Hey, when you meet so-and-so, tell them I said hello. So not only am I congratulating them on the job, I'm letting them know that I know other people at their new company. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's simple. When, when you say it, it's simple and it's obvious, but if you don't know to do that, you're sitting there scratching your head. Now, what do I do? Yeah. But several of the posts that I put out on LinkedIn recently, and even a couple at my blog at federal direct, uh, you know, give these tips. Mm -hmm. so what my, what my, my session does is pack them all into one big thing. And it's not, not a, it is not an expensive session. Um, but, be that as it may. Um, what what else do you guys do? Where where are you putting uh, links to your content on LinkedIn? Uh, I think one of the things that we've really tried to do is use cross cross platform promotion. In other words, use one platform to promote another. Whether that is across social media, uh, like Twitter to LinkedIn or LinkedIn to Facebook or whether it's across channels, as I mentioned earlier, like webinars following up with uh, social, um, or uh, using email to generate more interest in a content that you have posted on social media. 
I think it's those sort of cross-channel things where we're finding a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good movement, a lot of good uh, interactions. Yeah, it, it can all take place in, in, on one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I tweet out a lot of stuff. I post on Facebook. I'm not very active on Facebook outside of posting articles and occasionally visiting my high school alumni group. Uh-huh. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, back from the 1860s. Uh-huh. Um, back when Abe Lincoln was a classmate? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he lived in Kensington, little known fact. Yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the overlooked fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, you know, making sure, you know, if, if I have a new article out in Washington Tech or Elizabeth has a new article out in Washington Tech, first place I'm going to put it is LinkedIn. Second place, I'm going to tweet it. Third place is I'll put it on Facebook. Then I'll monitor any of the traffic, any of the comments, any of the likes, any of the shares, and I comment back on the comments and I thank people for the shares. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is such an, uh, a natural thing. I think there's going to be... Uh, a, a great opportunity for uh, those folks who, you know, have grown up as networkers, uh, but now all of a sudden they're out of it. I think some of them are going to find out that uh, their skills are actually a lot more transferable than they realize. If they just get over the notion that it's electronic and deal with it, that uh, you're dealing with actual people on the other end. Right. And sooner or later we'll be able to deal with the other people anyway again mm-hmm. but in in the meantime you've got to keep those conversations alive yes and i think it's also a, a great time when we're going to have to accelerate our planning cycles too because uh you know as, as we talked about how quickly this uh, the realities uh, the facts change that uh, the marketing plan that you had that you you know struggled to get put together by the end of the year is now probably obsolete or largely obsolete right and, look you know you you have to you have to rethink all those assumptions look at all of the events that had to be canceled i i, I heard one really good success story last week where uh there were like 400 people registered for this one event that was going to be downtown dc in in literally the last uh week they converted to a virtual event still had over 200 people attend, Um, you know, sponsorships eh, kind of went out the window, but they were able to complete the event uh, in, in a more or less successful manner. So Mm -hmm. uh, the, but, but the, the live event industry, wow. Um, And that, that's, that's where, you know, you and I speak, you and I network, um, yeah, not, nothing against it, but uh, no. it does have its limits. Yeah, and, and, you know, frankly, I already miss standing in front of an audience talking. I love, mm-hmm. I love that energy that you get from that. It, it, it is, it is. But uh, I guess with any, with any channel, each one has their benefits and their liabilities. Okay. Um, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk uh, about a – a larger issue. We're going to talk about a couple of points in in Lee's survey and tie it in to a recent article from the Journal of Business and Industrial Marketing. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network, and I'll be back with Lee Fredrickson right after this. 
Profile America, Monday, April 6th. On this date in 1859, Massachusetts established the first state milk inspection program. An inspector of milk was appointed in August that year, operating from Boston, and whose primary efforts were to suppress so-called swill milk, the poor, thin output of cows kept in unsanitary conditions and fed on distillery refuse. Currently, the Food and Drug Administration assists state and local dairy inspections. Americans consume 646 pounds per capita of all manner of dairy products annually, including frozen treats. When per capita takes in some 330 million consumers, it means the output of the nation's 149,000 dairy workers ship nearly $112 billion worth of products annually. Profile America is completing its 23rd year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here again with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Uh, you can find Lee on LinkedIn. Uh, it is Lee Fredrickson, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K-S-E-N, uh, or hingemarketing.com. And um, your, your, your study indicated that, uh, and, and this was, the study was, was actually mostly done before this came out, the, the corona thing, this big shutdown. Yep. You, you were talking about accelerating the review process for marketing plans in that study on, on a monthly basis. So on, on top of that, we have uh, this thing that I found this morning and sent to you. Uh, the Journal of uh, Business and Industrial Marketing has a new article out entitled Applying Big Data to Guide Firms' Future Industrial Marketing Strategies. And the thrust of the article seems to be that uh, reviewing uh, all the data that you can find, which is a good idea, uh, mm -hmm. can help you frame the, the successful marketing plan. But given the fact that we are now in an environment that is uncharted, where there is insufficient data, that premise seems to be shot to hell. <laughs> well, it, it, certainly, it certainly is a little bit frayed around the edges, so I'll say that for sure. The, yeah, the problem is that uh, data and information is relative to the context in which it's, uh, you know, in which it is collected. So as a context change, in other words, the reality around uh, uh, the pandemic now, uh, that's going to change behavior. So it's important not only that you do that, but that you track it. One of the, uh, one of the things that we've been seeing a year over year, Mark, is that uh, initially when we first was looking at this, the highest growing firms were the ones who actually did some research. Well, that's great. But then everybody started to do that. And now the highest growing firms are the ones that do the most frequent research. And as a matter of fact, where you see it is if they're researching it every quarter or on a continuous basis. In other words, they're tracking what's happening with their marketplace. And when you're in a very dynamic, rapidly changing environment, the firm that can adapt the quickest is going to win the race um, because they're going to be closest to their target audience. And of course, the real trick is if you can do this uh, with enough speed and with enough insight so that you can provide insight 
to your audience about how the world is changing, about how they can be successful in this new environment, then you become a source of value. And people are, you know, working to get a hold of your stuff. They're working to share it with their friends and their colleagues. And they're saying, boy, this is really useful. This is somebody who can really help us. And that, I think, is the essence of what the firms are learning is probably what your mother told you in, or your kindergarten teacher. You know, you have to give before you get. <laughs> you educate, give them something of value, and in return, you get their trust and you get the access to influence their decision. And that, I think, for the professional and technical services, that's really all you can hope for. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm still, um, you know, I, I can't access the article because I actually don't subscribe to the Journal of Business and Industrial Marketing. So I just did the uh, the preview, but it was really funny that, uh, that you know, you, you reposted that uh, thing or you sent it to me anyway, uh -huh. the, the article uh, of yours that just kind of meshed these two things together. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, some, some, we, we have about six, seven minutes to, to have some, some final thoughts here. What, what are some methods that companies can use uh, internally to start doing this, this research, this measurement? Uh, it's a great question, Mark. And there's really, you know, if you think about it, there's three practical ways to do research. One of them, and, and this is the one I think that's often overlooked, is systematically gathering the information that you already have about your clients or that you already have done. And, and whether that is surveying your colleagues, whether that is looking at uh, website data about where people visit, whether that's uh, something about how they're interacting with your services, all of those things are good starting places. The, the second place to look is to really go online and to search to see what's already been done. And with surveys uh, becoming more and more frequent, there are a lot of pieces of information that are very helpful to you. That uh, just like you accumulated some of that information from sources that you came across online and turned it into something of more value, that's something that you know most firms can do. And then finally, the real you know, gold standard of the whole thing is doing your own original research on your target audience. And that really helps you in two ways. One is it helps you gain a greater insight because you're asking the questions that are really relevant to you. And the other thing it does is it also by sharing that with your target audience, by sharing some of your results, you are giving them insight. You are helping them understand their market. And that's how you become a thought leader, if you were. Yeah. And, you know, this, this kind of begs the question. So, uh, and I didn't set it up this way, but it's the way it worked out. Um, third party research here, I think, adds extraordinary value because now you're, you're employing somebody outside the company 
who's mm-hmm. not wearing rose-colored glasses, who's not going to ask questions that are skewed towards a specific answer instead of a real answer. Right. So, right. And, and Hinge and Market Connections are the companies that I personally recommend to, to do this kind of research. Again, I didn't cue this up to, to plug you, but there you go. Uh, but but my point is, why is that third party uh, important? here well i i think the uh you know the fact of the matter is that we are social animals so when someone we have a relationship with asks us a question the way we respond to that is influenced by what's the nature of our relationship you know if everyone has ever asked been asked the question you know does this outfit make me look overweight you know (laughs) you know right away there's a right and a wrong answer and the truth ain't the right answer (laughs) (laughs) so the uh you know the the reality of it is 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 we're not going to tell a service provider you know what uh i would pay a lot more for your services you should raise your prices you're not going to do that and th- that's the kind of thing that you will tell a disinterested third party uh disinterested in the sense that they're you know this isn't uh, a representative of the company it's not going to go back to the person i'm commenting about uh there's confidentiality and i think that really opens up the uh the ability to get greater insights yeah and and the employee survey that you did was an anonymous one too so right. i'm i'm very curious to see those results myself. Not that I, I, I had an employee once, but uh, <laughs> quit because I'm a lousy manager. Uh-huh. <laughs> and even if you're the only employee. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yes, I do annoy myself on occasion. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but no, I'm okay. <laughs> um, Lee, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough. Do you have any final thoughts to, uh, to impart? Well, uh, thank you for asking. I I think the final thought is that this is a great time of a lot of stress and a lot of trouble for people, but it's also a time of a lot of opportunity when things get uh, changed and rearranged like this. So uh, it's a great time to have some hope and to have some optimism and for look for what are the new skills and new uh, tactics that you can learn and, and use this time productivity into good benefit. Perfect. Lee, thank you so much. Uh, as, as I close all of my shows, this is not my day job. I do a lot of advising on overall marketing to the government. But again, as Lee and I indicated here, I do a lot of work in social selling. And I do have a 75-minute uh, program for companies that, uh, that is not simply an introduction to social selling, but gives you hard tactics on on how to deploy social selling, making certain that your time at home is time well spent. If you're interested in this, drop me a line, Mark Amtower at Gmail. Look me up on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 